Hello and welcome to the Sheffield Hopcast. Now, kind of, you know, there's little signs of life getting back to normal. And, you know, in a normal world, next weekend would be peak ender. So peak ender 2020 should be starting, will actually be starting this coming Friday. Uh, and of course, it's not happening along with many, many events. It's uh, unfortunately because of the, uh, the pandemic situation is not going to be taking place. But fear not, because we are here to create our own mini peak ender, which we're doing indoors rather than outdoors uh, because it's not stopped raining all afternoon. Um, and, uh, you know, reminisce our stories of peak ender from, from yesteryear. Anyone that doesn't know, peak ender is a three-day beer festival that is held at uh, Bakewell Showground, uh, organized by Thornbridge with lots of other breweries there. Uh, and there is uh, camping in fields and uh, animals and all kinds of things. But we'll, we'll chat about um, peak ender as we go along. Uh, we've got a guest with us who we will meet in uh, in a little while. Uh, but first of all, let's meet the guys. So let's go to Sean first. Good evening, Sean. Evening, everybody. Yeah, um, it is still raining here. It did stop, actually, but uh, it is still raining here at the moment. So uh, it seems appropriate that uh, we're talking about the potential. I'm, I'm guessing you three who have been all camped while you were there or did did any of you stay in a local hotel and get taxis to and from uh, uh, the festival? But it seems appropriate for it to be raining when we're just about to talk about a, uh, a camp-based uh, festival. Um, uh, Camping-based uh, festival. Can I say, who are you um, calling camp? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I haven't been very original at all with my... Uh, uh, I, I didn't know until yesterday you guys helped explain that there was a peak ender box and so the the choice of beers was, uh, was quite a wide one uh, but I'd not realised that until I got home yesterday. So I stayed very safe um, both to uh, to peak ender and to Alice and I've gone for a, a Thornbridge beer and so uh, it's one of the, the new uh, set of housing cans. Uh, I've gone for, for pineapple it made me think about a potential series for, uh, or something we can just discuss anyway, products that you don't like in real life <laughs> that you do like in beer. And uh, pineapple is, is one of mine. Coffee is another uh, one of mine. Uh, uh, and so there's two to throw in the hat, things I don't like in the real world, but stick them in a 7.4% Imperial IPA. I'll lap <laughs> them up. Thanks very much. Uh, funny that, isn't it? How uh, how suddenly everything becomes palatable with seven odd percent of, uh, mm. of alcohol thrown into it. Uh, brilliant. I should have explained uh, that our theme for uh, beer choices tonight is obviously Peak Ender. Now, um, it, it doesn't. There is a Peak Ender box that Thornbridge have released. We'll talk about that uh, in a, in a little while. It doesn't it doesn't have to be a beer that's in that box. Just anything that's kind of you know in some way inspired by Peak Ender. So sure, that's a perfectly acceptable choice because obviously, uh, should it be happening, uh, I'm sure that. Is one of the beers that we'll be pouring at uh, Peak Ender next weekend. Um, I am drawn to Laura for well, for many reasons, but uh, in terms of your beer attire, you've uh, you've you've stepped up to the plate this weekend, yeah. Laura, with your Peak Ender top. This is excellent. <laughs> yeah, I thought I should stick to the theme, so uh, got this one out. It's one of my, it's one of my favourite t-shirts actually. It's really soft and lovely. Um, 
But the beer that I have gone for is one of the ones that is featured in the box. It's also a favourite of mine. Uh, it's Baby Faced Assassin from Roosters. Uh, 6.1% um, IPA. Uh, yeah, been one of my favourites for quite a long time. I think originally recommended to me because somebody said that if I was an assassin, I would indeed be a baby faced one. Uh, I feel like lockdown has taken its toll on my youthful looks recently, but nonetheless, uh, I'm still cracking into this tonight. So that's why I've picked this one. Good choice. Good choice. Uh, Adam, hello. Hello. I'm about an hour back off my holiday, literally. I arrived back about five o'clock now, ten past six. Tell um, us that you haven't been to France. No, no, no. I've been closer to France than than we are here. But yeah, just been with the family in Suffolk for a week. I've got a bit of a suntan. But you probably can't see because it's live. But, um, so Healthy my beer's been a bit limited because Suffolk's a tricky one. It seems to be ninety nine point nine 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 eight percent Adnams, and anything else is <clears throat> quite hard to find. So I have gone, I have gone for a little link to um, to Thornbridge. We are going for Thornbridge because we have, I do drink quite a lot of Thornbridge beers. I have a Thornbridge T-shirt though. Um, <clears throat> I noticed with some Tiny Rebel mentioned that. I know um, this is a beer from Tiny Rebel and Polly's Bruco, which you can get in um, Tesco. And it's also pineapple beer. It's pineapple express IPA, six percent. I have had it before, and um, it's one of the one of the kind of tiny rebel ones. I do like it because I'm not very adjuncty kind of a fan of that sort of beer. But um, this one, I remember actually being quite surprised and how good it is. I've not had it for a long time. I've not even seen it for a long time, so I thought I'd pick it up again. And uh, but yeah, I, I've got, I'm repping my Green Mountain T-shirt um, that I got from um, James Books and uh, Indie Beer Feast. He threw it at me. Um, <laughs> probably later on in the day so yeah but yeah that's what I've come for good stuff um, and the big question Adam is do you like pineapples in real life or only when added to alcohol no I like yeah I'm yeah, a fan of pineapples in real life can you think of anything Adam that, that you don't um, like that, that you love in beer or, or enjoy in beer that I don't like in real life it's usually the other way around but <laughs> actually <laughs> whereas um I'll have to think about it. Come back to me. I think. Yeah. I remember having a, a rhubarb beer in the not too distant past, and and enjoying that. And I'm, I wouldn't describe myself as a fan of rhubarb beers. Mm. Uh, and I'm also drawn to thinking about uh, the. I don't know if they still do it or not. You know the the foraged series that mm -hmm. um, Lost Industry did, stuff like nettles and weird things like that, which I would never <laughs> normally kind of think. Oh, just you know, mouthful of nettles, lovely. Uh, but mm -hmm. works in a. Works in a beer, so there we go. Um, I'm going to look a little bit, sort of like I'm copying Adam, sort of. Not not the beer, uh, but see the beer that I've gone for is Green Mountain, uh, and there are there are reasons for this, and and this is where we we start to stray a little into. Um, uh, stories of Peak Ender, but I'll keep it fairly brief for this one. So Peak Ender 2018, which was the most glorious of glorious sunny weekends. The weather was just absolutely just beautiful, superb. You could not have had better weather for a three-day outdoor beer festival. Um, and we uh, we recorded a podcast there which is still okay. out there in the uh i think it's a it was a hopcast wasn't it so it's it's on the it's on the feed so if you kind of scroll back through your build to to find it there's a bit of drunkenness going on there uh but this this was kind of this really was the beer of the weekend that um i drank various different things and just found myself drawn back to green mountain over the course of the weekend because when you drink it in the sun 
it's not that advisable to drink anything too strong. You know, Sean would be on his 7.4% pineapples, but I'd play it sensible. 4.3% Green Mountain just became the beer of the weekend. So I couldn't go for anything other than that. Can I point out as well that I've got my, I don't know if you'll be able to see this or not, but my Peak Ender 2018 glass, which was the actual one, well, plastic glass. What do we agree they were called? Plus, um, which Speaker. was the one I had for the for the weekend uh, in the uh, at the showground that I brought home with me and I've kept ever since. So I think I'm going true authentic peak end of 2018 here. So I'm quite impressed with, um, with that. Uh, right then, let's meet our guest. Good evening, Alice. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you for joining us. Um, we should really get you to kind of, um, I guess, introduce yourself because it's been, a, I guess it's been a little while since we've had a guest who we've maybe not had on before or wasn't already kind of like known to one of us or something like that. So um, yeah, I mean, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a brewer at Thornbridge. I've been working there for about, well, just under a year now. Um I previously worked at Brewster's in Grantham. Do you guys know of Brewster's? Yeah, yeah. So I worked with Sarah for about two years there. And then before that, I actually, I did my MSc in brewing science at Nottingham. Um, and when I was like kind of growing up and through uni and everything, I never really thought I'd be a brewer, but I actually um, have grown up in a brewing family. So my family back home own a very local regional cask brewery. Um, but I actually went off to uni and did English in Leeds and kind of I've just sort of ended up brewing really and I've, I've, I just I love it I never kind of thought that I would and there was never any pressure from my family to sort of go into it but um, yeah like a couple of years down the line and I'm just really enjoying it just trying to take it all in really at Thornbridge because it's such a different scale compared to kind of what I'm used to so there's yeah a lot to learn. Real. Um, we will have a million questions for you over the uh, over the, the coming minutes. But the big one, the most important question, first of all, is what beer have you got? I have actually got a Thornbridge beer, obviously. Um, it's Zara. Um, I really like it because I'm actually, I'm a massive fan of pilsners and lagers and those kind of things at the moment. I think I've kind of like overdone the IPAs and I'm really getting into just super clean stuff and I think the first time that I brewed a lager was actually at Brewster's and tasting it out of the tank when it's fermenting that really made me kind of appreciate lagers for the first time and um yeah this is this is a different one it's a bit of a hybrid one but um yeah that's what I'm enjoying this evening I sometimes feel like um Zara is kind of like the forgotten beer of Thornbridge yeah, because exactly. it kind of does go a little bit unnoticed and sometimes I, I kind of think about it in a, in a reminiscing kind of way as if uh, like it's, it's, a, it's a past thing and then it doesn't exist anymore but of course you know it, it, it does and I think when Lucas came along and kind of became the headline lager and I'm sure that's something that we'll, we'll talk about because um, you know we've all kind of had Lucas experiences at, uh, at Peak Ender um, but you know that kind of it was kind of like Big Brother and kind of stole all the the, the attention and everything like that. And um, Zara just quietly in the background there continues to be a great beer. So um, good choice, good stuff. Um, so um, Peak Ender would be in, well, a few days away from now. Um, Alex, uh, Alice, this is really devastating because this would be your first Peak Ender. And of course, yeah. it's not happening. 
I know I'm gutted. I'm really annoyed about it. <laughs> what have um, what what have the the rest of the team uh, at Thornbridge? What have they told you about Peak Ender? How has it been bigged up to you? Um, I have heard some horror stories. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I heard quite a bit about last year's rain as well. Was that a really wet and muddy one? And I've heard like tents kind of disappearing down the river and. Yeah, I think wait. at this point we have to hand over to Laura <laughs> for Laura's story of peak end of 2019. Yeah, our tent didn't float away down the river, but our camping stove did because <laughs> the kind of front of the tent got um, got completely flooded. Um, but it was quite a it was quite a nice moment in a way because we went we were we'd just been listening to um, a talk. Um, in one of the tents in a beer tasting and I drank half a bottle of Necessary Evil so I was feeling really lovely and warm and fuzzy and then there was this message over the uh, sound system like if anybody's camped in the the area behind the main stage which is exactly where we were you might want to return to your tents so I kind of scuttled off in my merry little way following my imperial stout to find that our tent was completely flooded but so many people uh, mainly kind of people from um, who'd been in the talk and other Thornbridge staff and things just all rushed over to help us all move our stuff and make sure that we were safe and had enough things that were dry so it was one of those things where I could have had a tantrum and wanted to go home but I didn't at all I was just like this is such a nice festival and I don't care that all my stuff is soaking wet through and uh, yeah it was fine I was just a little bit damp for the weekend <laughs> it was, it was. it's one of those things that just shows the the kind of people power at something like that and how much everyone kind of just pulled together you know everyone was soaked the whole ground was a swamp but everyone was just like let's go on with it we're here let's have a nice time there's plenty of beer um and it was still a brilliant weekend so just think about all or actually just as you were saying it is when you looked around how bad it was it was just you couldn't imagine how bad it couldn't be any worse really apart from it actually it was actually having to swim around it it was um, like over the top it was welly over the, high well is yeah yeah um, but yeah, I didn't see anybody complaining or moaning. Everyone just kind of just got just got on with it, really. <laughs> it was just kind of quite cool. I think the only problem were because of the, some of the main areas where you would be kind of stood, you know, to actually spread people out a little bit, you just didn't, you couldn't do it. So you kind of like bunched around the edges a little bit, which is just unfortunate. But yeah, I think I think everyone did what they could do out of that, out of that bad situation. And um, yeah, I mean, got, I kind of got fond memories because James and I did a few like. Um, comparing for the uh, meet the some of the meet the brewer sessions which is really good um but that were all done in a bit of a mad panic i think i think i i think i got there with about an hour to spare between putting my tent up and then realizing how difficult putting a tent up on essentially on water <laughs> and it was um you know with a with a then four-year-old in tow as well so uh that was quite fun but yeah it was quite funny because i got some reminders i've actually get your phone gives you reminders isn't it yearly about what happened year last year and year before but uh, yeah my first time would have been two years ago and we took my then three-year-old um i think we just went for the day in camp that time but um weather was perfect setting on hay bales listening to some music and just you know just generally having a good time and checking out the beers um but yeah just look at them photos just thinking oh yeah it's a really good time but um i'm quite interested in sean because i want to know what 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 would make Sean? What what would need to happen for a beer festival to make Sean go to camp? Because you're quite you're quite vocal about not really being your kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's not a, an anti-peekender <laughs> thing at all. Um, 
just uh, I don't mind going to beer festivals, of course, uh, but then I like to escape. Uh, I, I like to escape. Um, the last time that um, I went to a beer festival and then uh, slept in a field with everyone else that was at the beer festival, which is how I see it, um, <laughs> um, was for the Tour de France. I, uh, I camped with my dad um, um, up near the Flouch roundabout and uh, there was a, a beer festival the night before that. So um, uh, I don't know, Adam, that's a, that's a good question, <laughs> really. Um, I, 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 lo- I, don't, I don't like um, too many people all the time. And, and so it does feel as if it would be difficult to get away. You, you are there to convince me. Um, is, it, is it easy to get away and have a... Well, quite a few hours there as well. This is a thing that I was surprised. You think, like, I've been to music festivals and usually beer yeah. plus camping equals yeah. chaos. Yes. I think it attracts like a certain, like a more, I don't know, I don't want to kind of insult people who go to music festivals, <laughs> but kind of, I think people go to like, are really into the beer, aren't they? They're not there just to drink 20, 24 cans yeah. of Carlin on, on a, on a yeah. corner. But um, I mean, like I said, I took, I took a, a small child and camp there quite happily so I suppose that kind of shows you that you know you don't feel unsafe or people you know being rowdy and stuff it just you know you tend to be quite felt quite calm at the evening oh, oh, quite orderly did it yeah it's a very it just it just feel like a very grown-up kind of yeah, event doesn't quiet, it and there were younger it? people there but they're generally the more sensible younger mm. people because of the nature of the event it's not something that mm. you're wandering through town and you stumble across even if you were in the middle of Bakewell you'd still need to know what you were looking for to mm. find it um, and it's obviously it's not a free thing like you've got to buy your ticket so it's uh, you know, it, I think it's people that just generally kind of know and appreciate what kind of event it's going to what it's going to be of course you know the elephant uh, the elephant in the room that's the right phrase isn't it here is that you know, sean you are kind of like you know be a celebrity in your own right so you you'd have no chance of getting a bit of quiet time by yourself and um, i should point out though that last year was the first time that they had glamping uh, and so you wouldn't have had to camp you could have stayed in a teepee uh, and I, I, I can would, see uh, Sean yeah. in a teepee. I can imagine. No, that. that's that's a stretch too far. Uh, I would rather camp than uh, than glamp. Um, but <laughs> uh, when I was younger, I went uh, camping to the Reading Festival, and uh, and again, uh, that probably put me off as well. Um, there is an element of uh, anarchy at places like that. So uh, I'll, I'll get down there one day. I'm sure. I'll check the weather forecast beforehand. To, to be fair, I last year, so I totally chickened out of camping. So um, I actually drove there on the first evening, the Friday evening, didn't have a drink. Uh, and then the Saturday got the bus there and the bus back. Because um, mm. there is there's direct buses from, from Sheffield to Bakewell. Mm. It kind of takes forever. I got the wrong bus on the Saturday and had to go all the way around Chatsworth, uh, which is actually a really nice, pleasant bus journey, but not when you're thinking, I'm going to meet the brewery in 20 minutes and need to get a move on. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was all a little bit kind of uh, chaotic last year but the so the year before we kind of make last year sound like it was a total i mean it was a total washout uh, and what what you both say is quite right in terms of the fact that i think kind of this camaraderie of everyone just saying well look we're here now and it's wet and once you're wet there's no point worried about it anymore is there the thing that i didn't like last year was on the last day where 
it had just started to dry out a bit. So if you walked through some mud, there was a serious risk that your welly <laughs> would not come with you. And that would have been disastrous. And it happened to a couple of people. Thankfully, I think we all managed to, um, to escape without that, um, that happening. But the year before then, so 2018, I mean, they could not have been more contrasting, could they, those two years? Because Laura, as you touch on, kind of sitting on the hay bales and those memories of us just kind of sitting around in a circle and um you know we'd got we i think we'd all individually got friends that were there um the guys from the beer o'clock show were were over for it uh i just remember it just being like if you could if you could pick a perfect beer experience that weekend would not have been far off it because it was it was great beer it was good company the weather was nice everyone's so friendly if i remember correctly the only slight downside to it was they hadn't quite got kind of the um the, the beer tent organization quite right and that sometimes you were queuing for a long time to get a beer that's the only negative that i can remember from it and adam i seem to remember me and you discovering that there was like a, a secret can bar that just yeah. sold cans of was it green mountain and dutty yeah like dutty yeah um yeah because it caused a few problems for us actually because we were trying to do a, i guess um a bit of a chat with the beer o'clock show guys um and then i think you've got i think i'd gone to the bar on martin from the beer o'clock show gone to the bar and we were like we picked this time that we we're going to record and sort of 45 minutes later there was still no side of me or martin and then um, I think the, that was when we went right. Just grab some cans because this is just, this is getting ridiculous. But I think every, I think Thornbridge got quite vocal about it afterwards. You know, saying, "Yeah, we realised that probably didn't kind of pan out as we'd expected, and and then fixed it for the year after." And and yeah, they certainly did do that. So were multiple bars and multiple options to get drinks the following year. And I know it was like they were probably not the same numbers because of the weather, but it didn't really feel like there were any issues kind of getting to the bar or you know you just. If you found a busy bar, try the other one sort of thing. And uh, I found that kind of worked out pretty well last year. Go and give it for anyone that's not been before. So that's that's me and Alice mm. within us five. Give, give, give us some some uh, basics and how many bars, uh, are there, how many food concessions, is there entertainment and music on? What what do we see when we get there? Mm. So it's kind of like, it's in, it's kind of, a, if the, fir- the, the first year was like in a bit of a bowl and everything sort of sat around the edge of it. So you had a music stand and you had um, sort of one bar and um, some sort of children's entertainers and, and servant and stuff. But this year, they kind of extended that. So I think there was two two main bars, from what I remember, or maybe three bars, and then a row of the talks tents. So there was, I think there was maybe three talks tents at that point. So the you could, I don't know if you, the I don't know if they alternated. I can't remember now, but um, there was kind of talks all the way through the weekend. And then again, the, the food was a bit more well thought out which was like a food area i think it was probably up to about 10 different vendors in that um and then again the little like the sort of live music um sort of area and, which uh, is like a, are the hundreds there per session thousands there for the, in for the terms of numbers session. no 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 oh, per, per, per session is it just is, is it an all-day session yeah it's just it's, you, it's kind you of what you buy a ticket for a day or, or the weekend and then yeah. essentially you can go in and out as you will i think it's kind yeah. of about 12 to 12 maybe i think something like that something um, like that yeah but i think it's, really... it's in the hundreds isn't it but it's not it's not excessive it's not, like yeah, you've yeah. got plenty of space yeah you're in a field like you, there's just, just just tons and tons of of space even the year that it was sunny you never feel kind of um 
sort of penned in or anything anything yeah. like that but I, I, so i've never i've never camped even the year when it was really sunny i, I chickened out of camping I, similar to you sean in terms of had an awful experience at v97 festival in leeds many 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 years ago which involved a, a tent being on fire and since then i've been like no i don't camp uh, and I've, I've stuck to that and i was gonna i was gonna do it last i'd got a tent and everything i was gonna do it last year and then the weather was so bad that i still chicken out of it so i can't really shed too much light on what the experience of, of of camping is like you've done it two or three times now haven't you laura yeah i think i've been uh, this would have been my fourth year in a row um but jim and i always we used to spend sort of at least three that's part of three weeks a year at music festivals volunteering and then uh, so i've kind of it's something that we really enjoy doing anyway just kind of camping and being involved in things like that so um they've always been really you know something that we've always been really keen to do fine fest and peak ender for similar reasons um so yeah i love it um just that i think the, the worst bit for me about camping is it's that when the sun hits the tent if it's warm and the sun hits the tent in the morning and you're a bit hungover and it's really really hot and you can't be bothered to move but you also, you're also like, but I might die if I have to stay try in the spot in, Try doing it in Spain, Laura. <laughs> I've done that too. It's like being born. <laughs> Laura, isn't, the, isn't that the point you get up and go and do beer yoga? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I did beer yoga a couple of years ago. I did McKellar Running Club last year, uh, which was, I really enjoyed it. Jim was sick running up a hill. <laughs> he should not have joined in. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, it's nice because there's all sorts of different things to get involved in as well. So, uh, you know, I think even, you know, if if you've gone for the experience rather than the beer, um, I think you would still have um, a really good time. And like the beer lineup, I think as well is quite nice because all the festivals that you go to that are you know entirely about the beer and there's big queues for certain things and it's really, you know, there's certain beers that are really hyped up and it's like, is anybody actually, and you know, really just enjoying themselves or are they too busy thinking about the beer whereas I think at peak Ender, there's a lot of you know it, if you want to just get three pints of Lucas and drink them then that's absolutely fine and there's no kind of um it's just a bit more laid back I think beer wise and a bit more accessible uh which I think is reflected in the beers that are in the box that's been made actually because it's quite a sort of accessible selection of beers you know reasonable price point and um you know beers that are quite i don't want to say commonplace that's not really fair but you know beers that are quite e- relatively easy to get yeah, hold of. and pop and uh, popular yeah yeah which which is really nice to see that it's you know something a little bit different and something that people can just get have at home over a sunny weekend and get stuck into without having to uh you know muse on it too much have we uh, have we convinced you yet sean uh, yeah, well, I, my mind then strayed from beer yoga uh, one year and McKellar Running Club uh, the following year. Uh, Hopcast Wrestling. Uh, I was trying to come up with something perhaps uh, for for subsequent festival. Hopcast High Jump, maybe. So I would think Adam's a good jumper. He'd have a, a chance at that. <laughs> Let's do it. Hopcast. Any other, su- yeah, any other suggestions? Welcome. <laughs> Sorry, Alice. I think I think I interrupted you there. Uh, no, no, it's fine. I was just going to say. Um, I think weren't some of the early ones actually at Thornbridge Hall? Yeah, I think they were. Did any of you guys get to uh, any of those ones? No. 
I went for the day when it was up at Thornbridge Hall, um, which was, yeah, it was great. It, it was quite different. I think it was a lot smaller scale um, and probably even more chilled out, I'd say. We went there on, that was quite a hot, lovely day as well. Um, and just, yeah, really, really sort of tranquil, I think I would describe it, like really nice scenery and um, all of that kind of thing. So I don't think I drank very much that day. I, f- I seem to remember that the um, the kind of sitting down to then get up and go to a bar felt like a lot of effort at the time because it was so hot. So it was um, not quite as boozy of a day, but it was it was really nice. Yeah. Alice, as part of your intro into Thornbridge, do you get a, a full tour of Thornbridge Hall? Is that is that part of the, the real induction? Yeah, it is actually. Um, I, I think on my first day or my second day, Dom took me up to the hall and then kind of showed me the brewery, but also showed me like all of the plants, all of the vegetables. You mean, you mean, mainly, sh- you mean mainly showed you that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really nicely. Obviously, they're still brewing up there, so we do. You know, we do tend to go up there, and it's obviously still very much in action. So it's quite nice to go up, and it, as you said, Laura, it's just so nice to go up there because it's so calm and peaceful and yeah just beautiful really i I think the uh the the tour of thornbridge hall uh when dom does it for everyone basically is just the gardens and his plants (laughs) and uh i think he's way way prouder of that than anything to do with any of the beer that they that they brew there. Adam and I have, have been up and had the, um, it was, it, we were supposed to be said the day help it help helping to, uh, to, to brew. And we, we, we were just wandering around gardens, weren't we? It was great. Yeah. I, we, I, was, I can't remember where that was, but that was a really hot day, but we, I think we helped muck out a, a Crackendale brew. Um, this is the first time trying to catch the, um, the remnants of the mash tun into bags and, um, just basically not really help out in any way at all really but it was good that's, fun. that's pretty much everything that we did yeah. but we all know Dom likes his um, plants more than his beer anyway he's not scared to <laughs> like, there's a brewery here's some, re- here's some really interesting plants <laughs> so, so Alice what's um, what's the experience of kind of you know working with people like Dom and, and Rob and the rest of the team at, at, at Thornbridge obviously it's a team that's grown quite a lot over the last few years as the brewery has, has grown you know huge Hugely from 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 what it was even when it first moved up to the to the riverside um, site. So yeah, what what's it kind of been like working with them? Yeah, it's been fantastic. I think um, obviously I started in October and then COVID kind of hit in March. So I, it's been a little bit different to probably what it would have normally been having the pandemic not happen. But um, no, I think what's so great about Thornbridge and the team is that kind of all of the guys that work there love beer and they just, they just know what is expected of them. So we're just kind of pushing all of the QA consistently and that's kind of what makes it so successful. I think Um, it's been really good. It's like, it's a fun team. It's quite a small team. So there's six brewers at the moment. Um, And it's been really good actually. I think it's kind of shifted a little bit during COVID. Um, but we are brewing like, way more than we were before the lockdown actually happened. So, you know, we've sort of really, really survived it um, and come through kind of quite a bit stronger, actually. What, what was that kind of experience like? Because um, I would guess, I mean, it was, you know, we, it, it's such a cliche now, but it was so unprecedented that I'd imagine the way that pretty much every brewery dealt with that was 
different. And and for Thornbridge, um, probably had you know the 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 unique situation of um, already kind of having quite a lot of beer that went to places like supermarkets and other other places that w- were still open. But obviously, you also had all the Thornbridge pubs um, and obviously other pubs as well that that you normally supply beer to. So I imagine it, it probably changed things quite a lot in terms of what you were doing yeah definitely 100% so um at the start of lockdown kind of uh, like end of March when it first happened um we definitely scaled down production and the team kind of we lost a, f- a few members of the team just to isolation um so we were brewing I think about 15 times a week it was still pretty good to be honest I think what has saved Thornbridge through that period is doing small pack and having the bottling and canning on site and just being able to put it into supermarkets and also um, into the online shop. I think it was something like something ridiculous, like the online sales went up a thousand percent or something like that. I'll have to check. I'll have to let you know. But um, yeah, they def- they had to hire like way more people to go into logistics and sort out all of the online orders. Um, so it kind of like was ticking over with keg, uh, sorry, not keg, a uh, bottle and can. And then sort of now kind of coming out of it, now that the pubs have opened, we are brewing at kind of 20 to 22 times a week. Um, so it's, it's slightly shifting back towards keg. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly think that the actual online sales and the supermarket sales have stayed there. We're not kind of, you know, drawing back on the brewing. It's like full steam ahead really which is fun which is great it's fantastic cool cool good stuff good stuff um what what have we got to come then in the um in the coming kind of weeks and months from thornbridge um i noticed that you know there are there are still new beers popping up here and there and um it's not as if kind of the year of beer just got kind of you know thrown under a a truck and forgotten about so uh what what can we what can we expect what stuff are you working on that's exciting at the moment um so we've got a few collaborations coming up i'm not entirely sure if i'm allowed to say about them but i, I won't say anything in case i get a drop very exciting actually i'm brewing them tomorrow so um yeah i'll let you know how it goes um we i don't did you did you try the casperia that was a new beer that we put out a single hot cash beer i'm not i'm not i'm not managed to catch that yet yeah so that that was in bottle. um and yeah we're just kind of pushing trying to sort of keep the cast going as well they're brewing up at Thornbridge Hall um so yeah we've got a few kind of things coming up it's, it's quite a shame that that um year of beer has kind of fallen through especially with the anniversary this year as well um but yeah I think we're doing all right <laughs> something I wanted to ask you actually when you mentioned about moving to Thornbridge I was going to say what kind of changes is it from a brewer's point of view is is it did you have to learn a lot of new skills? Do they, do they do things more? Is it on a much bigger scale and do they do more automated things or are you still getting your hands dirty? And, and yeah, kind of yeah. what influence do you have as a, as a brewer uh, coming into a big kind of established, you know, brewery like that? Mm. Um, so I think in terms of automation, uh, compared to the, the brewery that I was at, it's way more automated. And the main thing I think is that they're just brewing so many more times a day. So... At Brewsters, I brew once a day, whereas at the moment it's four. And I think it's that just kind of getting used to the shift pattern of kind of the early shift brewer coming in and then it going up until midnight. 
that was definitely something that I had to get used to. Um, and yeah, just like new skills, um, learning how to kind of work the centrifuge that I'd never done before, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a lot to take in, but all of the training has been like really well handled and they really look after you. Um, I, in terms of kind of influence, I was really lucky to do a international women's uh, brew day up at Thornbridge Hall. Um, so we did like a, a bit of a homage to Lord Marples and I did a, a ESB, but right. it actually, <laughs> we brewed it just before lockdown and it never made it to the pub because it went straight into cask. Um, so I was like really gutted about that. Maybe, maybe we'll do it again. I don't know. Um, but no, yeah, they like all of the guys um, in the brew team kind of had a recipe that they put forward for that um, year of beer. So they do kind of really push that creativity as well. Alice, in, in terms of being part of the brew team, um, how does that work? You turn up, say, on, on, on the morning shift. How many people would be in that little team that you would start with? Do, do you have to, as a, as a newer brewer coming there in October, do you have someone that mentors you and, and supports you whilst you're, whilst you're there? Yeah, yeah. So when I started in October, I was actually on just like a eight till five shift. And then I was kind of learning everything in the cellar then. And someone is mentoring you throughout all of that. Yeah. And then when you kind of move on to the brewing, um, some of the, like more of the senior guys, Ben, ben Wood, I don't know if you guys know him. Yeah, we know Ben. Yeah, yeah. He trained me um, to brew. Um, and then you just kind of get signed out. And then, yeah, so we'll have someone in at half five, someone in at seven, nine, and then the late shift brewer comes in at four. Um, and he'll stay till, or she will stay till midnight. Have you done, have you done all those shifts now then? Yeah, I have. I actually, um, everyone kind of hates the late shift, the four till midnight shift. And it is a bit daunting, especially when you're kind of in the brewery on your own at, um, 10 PM and everyone's left and you're sort of in charge of locking all the doors up. It is a little bit scary (laughs) for the first couple of times. But, um, I think I would love the idea of being in a brewery by myself, <laughs> 10 o'clock at night, and everyone else has gone. I could live with that, you know. <laughs> no, you don't. You have, I have dreams. I have nightmares about leaving like, a valve on and the early shift guy coming in and there's sort of beer all over the floor <laughs> or, I don't know, yeast everywhere. But no, it's good. I think that that variety is something that's really important for everyone to kind of move through that pattern and do... Uh, like a variation of jobs yeah it's good I was going to jokingly ask you which is your favourite James B James Books not James Buchanan <laughs> <laughs> but they both have actually actually, weirdly they've both been involved in this lockdown so they've had um, James Books and uh, James Buchanan did a little video for his for, uh, oh. his like hot fest so you're you're the third Palmbridge <laughs> uh, lockdown uh, guest I think actually Alice, I don't know whether any of the others are aware, but I'm certainly not. But your your family is a brewing family, so what's the brewery? Who is it that you? Hey. Eh? Um. So my family, my family own a brewery back in Dudley. Um. It's Bathams. Right. Um. So that's been going over 140 years. So it's very much a traditional cask. It's a Victorian brewery. So malt way up high and then it all kind of comes through down to the fermentation cellar um and yeah yeah so at the moment my dad and my uncle run it my sister works there as well 
Um, and it's just very, it's just a very local business. So they have, um, I think it's 10 or 12 pubs that are Batham's pubs and we supply those in the local area. And then um, we do like a little bit of free trade. Um, so yeah, it's very, very different to Thornbridge. Sometimes I feel, I feel like I'm kind of pulled between tradition and, and craft and I don't entirely know sort of where I stand sometimes. Um, but no, I do, I do love going back home. It's, it's a really nice brewery. It's just so nice to see like the open fermenters and yeah, just that kind of heritage, I guess. Wait, wait, I heard, sorry, yeah, I heard, I heard mentioned, uh, Bethan's mentioned earlier, I've not made the connection, unfortunately, but I mentioned that Dom always or regularly seems to be at a beautiful Bethan's pub um, that, that perhaps is a favourite of his. It, 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 do you know which, which one I'm talking about? I think it's probably um, the Bull and Bladder. So that one is actually, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes, it, that yes one it is. is. Next to the brewery. Um, so that's probably where, yeah, he's been. He, he, I think he took a holiday last year and just went, back home and went around Batham's pubs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> your your interview must have been very easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do bring him some beer back sometimes and he, he'll like um, slip me a few kind of vegetables in the car. So it's like a... We've got a how do uh, how do your family feel that about you um you know going off and working for um uh, you know another brewery rather than working for the family brewery um i think that they are just very pleased about it to be honest i my dad's got three girls and i don't think he ever sort of thought that any of us would go into the industry um and they never so my dad is fifth generation um i don't think that he ever kind of put that pressure on me or my sisters, but um, my other, one of my sisters actually ran one of our pubs and she's kind of gone into that um, kind of on trade side of it. Um, but yeah, I think they're, I think they're quite happy with it. They're, sometimes I take some, I take some sort of craft beer back for them and they're like, Oh, it's way too hoppy. And all this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to sort of, you know, bring them around to more modern styles and that kind of thing. I think an open fermenter may turn up at uh, Thornbridge one day for some special. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, you've, you've picked um, Zara as your beer for this evening. Um, is, does that make it your favourite Thornbridge beer? Have you, have you kind of got a, you know, a top three or anything like that? I really like Zara and I think ex exactly what you said earlier is that um, you just kind of don't see it as much. And I think because of Lucas kind of being more popular, you don't tend to come across it. And I think you don't actually see it on draft that often. Um, so that's like definitely a favourite. I just quite like that I can kind of drink it in the warmer weather and it's just really refreshing. Um, I actually really like Pondera, which is very different to Zara. Um, obviously it's super super strong and quite chewy but I quite like kind of that it's not even though it's quite heavily hopped it's still quite rounded I quite like that balance I don't know how you guys feel about Pondera I think, I think we're all fans yeah okay <laughs> I think Laura said it was the best west coast yeah well I appear she'd had since being on the west coast and you 
Yeah. That's what you're... Yeah, it was like the first drink I took. I was like, oh, I feel like I'm on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the kind of person that gets really. quite emotional about beer, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's a good time. Yeah. No, it's good beer. I've had a, you know, get it when I can, really. And um, yeah, it's, I think I, I think I might have said before, getting so used to drinking all these New England style beers, sometimes it takes you a few cans of that kind of style beer to kind of remember what you loved about all these West Coast style beers, which are, you know we all loved before. <clears throat> Everyone wanted soupy kind of. Um, Juice. Juice, yeah. But yeah, it's a beer I go back to quite quite a lot. I've still never had it. Well, was it released in, was it released before lockdown? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, it was. I think it was just, just before lockdown. Yeah, I've not seen it anywhere to drink outside of a can format. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if I've seen it kind of anywhere on. Is it is it available on keg anywhere? Does it exist in keg? Yeah, actually, I went to um, the Greystones the other day and I was actually meeting some of the other brewers and I turned up and they both had a pint of Pondera wow. <laughs> on a Wednesday. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to join in on that. <laughs> they had it on at Jabirwaki last week as well. Because um, I went in there and had, um, I was slightly more civilized. I had a two thirds of Pondera, but then I had um, a white Russian with um, Nesquik breakfast boulders on top of it, which... <laughs> Probably not the most sensible of combinations, but they were both wow. very enjoyable. <laughs> Brilliant. And then, Alice, um, what we, we've we've talked a few times um, over lockdown, and, and, and recently um, we um, had a, a special episode for International Women's Day not long back ago. Um, from, from your point of view, kind of being um, a, a you know a female brewer in a in a world that we, we would all admit is is you know is, is kind of considered to be sort of male dominated. What what's kind of your experience of the the beer world been like from from that kind of point of view? Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that um, I kind of have a little bit of a different experience just because of having grown up with my family brewing. I definitely kind of know that they've never kind of thought, oh, you're female, so you won't be a brewer. Um, it's just kind of, you know, I've grown up around it and it's quite normal. It's definitely like normalised in my childhood. Um but yeah, it's just, I think, to be honest, it's just for me and my experience, it's just been subtle things that um, you might kind of not notice like straight away. So like just even when I did my master's in Nottingham, I was kind of one of two girls in a group of probably like 10 guys that were doing their MSc, um, which, you know, it's, it's, it's totally fine. And I do see quite a few kind of women coming into it and there are there's loads of women into it now but I think like with any any of these kind of things it's just going to take time for it to kind of filter through where women are sort of moving a bit more higher up and I think that's probably when sort of major changes will come about is when women are sort of in more positions of power in breweries you know not just kind of like scrubbing the floors and cleaning up the mess but um Obviously, I work for Sarah as well, and she is like a very well-respected um, brewster and has had her brewery for 20 years. Um, and she kind of just had the opinion, you just, sort of, you know, you get on with it and, you know, she, we can do a job as the same as a man. So 
that's kind of like her stance on it. But yeah, I do I do have like a lot of, of friends that are in it, but I think it, the majority is kind of dominated by white males, which is, yeah, a bit of a, a, a problem. Hopefully starting to move in the right direction, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, it definitely is. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> I even, I've got a story actually from um, my masters. I remember sort of having um, a lecture about hop oils and hop products, and sort of using those kind of things um, instead of cones or pellets. And um, one, the lecturer said, "Oh, you can kind of um, single out a floral hop, and you know you can use that in beer for women." And I remember sitting there just kind of thinking. Mm, that's not exactly <laughs> wow yeah that's right but it's just it's just little things like that you know i don't i i guess there are wider problems with sort of branding and that kind of thing but um it's like you said it's going in the right direction brill okay um sean pineapple halcyon um the word i'm going to use is smooth um, yeah, yeah, much smoother than uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I perhaps had it before. I think it was released in in bottle uh, a while back, but uh, beautifully smooth. And Halcyon is a uh, before we we had a beer shop. Uh, <coughs> trips to Sheffield used to involve Dram Shop and Archer Road, but also uh, a little trip to Waitrose and uh, Halcyon, Wellraven, things like that, Kipling, and the big 500 mil bottles were, were there at the start of me really appreciating better beer. So I've got a soft spot for Halcyon. But I thought I'd throw the pineapple in just to make it a bit jazzier. I can't remember who it was, but I seem to remember when Pineapple Halcyon first came out that we, did we have someone from Thornbridge? on the podcast who was telling us it was an absolute like work it pineapple and beer just do not work well together and it was an absolute utter pain for them to brew and no way would they ever do it again so i was kind of quite surprised to kind of see it come around again because uh, i think it's quite messy uh alice could probably confirm or deny this one for us that making a beer with pineapple does get rather rather on the messy side yeah definitely um I think it, it just kind of depends how you're putting it in, really. I'm not sure how the early one was done, um, but I actually wasn't involved in brewing this one, but I, yeah, I'm not sure how they sort of peeled or whatever they did with all those pineapples. <laughs> Probably tins of, uh, of, of princess yeah. or something like that. Much, much easier, much easier. Um, is your Zara as good as, uh, as you expected it to be? Yeah, it's really nice. How are you? How are your beers? Yeah, G- Green Mountain is. Um, I, it's it's always been one of my kind of go-to beers. I think it's a cracking beer for the percentage that it it carries. It's just brilliant, and um, I quite like the fact that it's it's in three thirty mil cans as well. Because I think we live in an age where nearly everything now seems to end up in four forty mil cans, which is fine. But sometimes you just want like a bit of beer, not like a huge amount of beer. So um, I love the fact that it's, you know, it's always there available in those three thirties. Adam. Sean, you stole my word, which is smooth. It's kind of unusual. Cause um, you think with pineapple being quite like slightly tart and a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite bitter, but it's it's quite, it's got like a smoothness to it. I won't say it's pillowy or a, (laughs) (laughs) 
big yeah, pillars, I think. It is, it is, it's decent. Uh, it's a big can as well, and it doesn't taste six percent. It's quite. If if you are into kind of club. Club Tropicana, whatever it's called these days. What's, what's it called? It's changed its name. Club Tropica. Club Tropica. If you like that kind of beer with the sort of, you know, quite fruity adjunct to it, then, you know, go for it. Um, it's interesting there's a Polly's Bruco mix as well. We don't really see many of them doing anything but straight up New England stuff with a few sours and stuff thrown in. But um, yeah, it's good if you can find it, get a can. Um, Sean, um, the pineapple halcyon. We did do an episode, and you, it was one that you weren't there for. It was the um, Sheffield uh, University Beer Festival episode, which you right. we did. We did I missed it. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I, I'm glad I managed to to uh, to bring it to reintroduce it. To I Sheffield. don't think I've had it yes. since then. I think me and James managed to find it on keg at the beer house before we recorded the episode, and then got a tax, then taxi up to the venue, and then had it bottled. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and Laura? Uh, mine's all gone. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think I bought this one from a supermarket a while ago. I think probably could have done with drinking it when it was a little bit fresher, but still nice nonetheless. Um, but not as good as the one-trick pony that I had that is now my favourite Roosters beer uh, that's a rose lemonade sour. Am I allowed to pick roses or something I would never eat on their own, but that I really like them in beer? <laughs> That's quite a good one. Um, but yeah, that was that was a really nice kind of after work, 4.1% um, really light uh, sour that I drank in the boiling hot sunshine in the garden earlier this week. Um, so yeah, I think that might have replaced Babyfaced Assassin in, uh, in my mind as my favourite rooster's beer, but I still enjoyed it today, so... I, I, I would think Babyface Assassin, Laura, I can, I'm trying to think of another beer that went into can as early as that um, and, and had a real influence. It was one of the very first modern craft hoppy beers to, to go into can. I don't know the Roosters committed to a canning line of their own very early on or not, but um, it was right at the start, right at the start, and was one of the very few cans that we had in the shop right sort of early on in, in our existence. Got a feeling it's one of the earlier editions of using Citra as well, am I right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. Oakham Citra and Adnam's Ghostship probably early Yeah, I think, I think Baby we had Face was the one that took it to that sort of next level, 6% plus level, uh, all Citra, I think. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've just got images going through my head now of Laura walking down the street just eating people's roses out of the garden, just like obsessed with. Uh, with, I, I, with Sean, I do, I do have an answer. I do have an answer to your question now about ingredients. Though. Come I on, then, Adam. It's not quite as straightforward. It's cheating a little bit, but I think some of the. Oh, my signal's oh, no. gone. I can't hear no, what it no, was. It's, it's Adam. Adam. Can just we all guess? Those. We all get, this I is like a, a dramatic, interesting <laughs> a dramatic end to uh, EastEnders or something. Are you back, Adam? <laughs> oh, a cliffhanger. Did you all pause then? Yeah. <laughs> yes. No. We all missed it. Did you we say dolphins? You, you're just about to go. <laughs> you all paused to me then. I was going to say, I was saying, some of the, uh, some of the kind of wild beer um, beers that have some crazy ingredients. Mushrooms. 
that you would never kind of have as a handful. Oh, I'd really like a handful of those all in, in a mix and then shove them in my mouth. And, uh, but then the beers come out quite well. I, I mean, I, I love my seafood, which is kind of a bit of a reverse one, but like the of the sea that is basically, it's basically a bisque. Sour. It was lobster, lobster and well, um, cockles in there yeah, as well. Which I, like, I do like, but it kind of, I think it sits into this realm of what you'd like in a beer and uh, yeah, sort of thing. Without being without being rude, particularly as I'm a, the proud owner of two wild uh, bottle openers that got some <laughs> social media this week, I thought that beer was awful. I love the way you describe yourself as being the proud owner of two, only because you can't bloody well give the other one away. We still we still need to do a competition for that. No one entered because no one wants it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anybody noticed, but they did actually reply to they that, um, saying if you try one of the particular horns of the... Um, I never read the instructions <laughs> on anything. I, I deleted that tweet. <laughs> you need instructions I, I'm going to use it. <laughs> I want to use it as I see fit. Okay. Right, one one last thing that we've got to do, which is our uh, beer selfie. So uh, we all need our, our cans and bottles. Just uh, hold them up for a, a, a second in unison. Uh, I've got my dodgy light thing going on again there, so that's a better angle. And big smiles. And there we go, that will do. And um, yes, thank you all very much. Um, Alice. Thank you for joining us. Lovely for us to uh, to meet you. Hopefully, 12 months from now, we'll be sat in a field in the sunshine in Bakewell, all enjoying a beer together. Sean will have his tent up. I'll come. Uh, and, yeah, I'll come. Uh, yeah, he'll be there. I've uh, got a tent. I've got a tent. I do like camping. Well, it's, it's a day, though. We sort of I just don't like all... camping with thousands of people. Have you, have you guys seen the weather outside right now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it feels like it's very, very active. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been really good. Thrill. All right. Cheers, Alice. Thank you, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Alice. Bye. And we'll, and we'll see you all in a fortnight. Ta-da.